from the Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Ask Christopher West Podcast. Hi, podcast listeners. Welcome, everybody, to another episode. We are happy to be with you. On my heart today, as we're going into recording, uh, and I, I kind of feel it, like it's like pressing on my heart a little bit. And this may sound strange and out of the blue, and because it kind of is out of the blue, but I'll explain why it's not out of the blue for me. Um, I want to pray for any of our listeners out there who are in the middle of, or maybe recently have been involved in moving, as in moving from one house to another. And the reason that's present to me right now is we've been helping my parents who are, uh, my dad is 82 mm-hmm. and my mom's 79. So they are up there in years and they had to downsize from a family home they've been living in for 28 years. Uh, they bought this house um, right at the time you and I got married, Wendy. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, yeah, it's it was we, they were downsizing into a large house, and they went to a, a much smaller house, and we've been helping them. And it's just so discombobulating, and it caused me to really reflect on how much we are made to have a home. And moving, you and I have moved how many times, Wendy? Gosh, we've been in this house for 20 years, but yeah. one, two, three, four? It doesn't matter. We've moved a few times in our early marriage. We've been here for 20 years. And it's, it's, a home is a kind of sacrament. It's a sacrament of our destiny. We are made for a heavenly home, right? Christ says, I'm going to prepare a home for you. Uh, my, my father's house has many rooms, and I'm going to prepare this, the, like a mansion for you. I'm going to the father's mansion, going to prepare a home for you. And if you've been in the middle of a move, uh, we just know that I, I, you've been on my heart, uh, and, and I invite you to offer the suffering in moving. It's a real suffering. It's, it, you know, they, even psychologists will tell us that it's one of the biggest stressors you can feel in life mm-hmm. is moving. I invite you to offer up that stress, offer up that kind of feeling of uprootedness, Offer up that feeling of not having a home and getting used to a new home and all that stuff as a prayer for the journey to our heavenly home. And here, people know me, um, you know that songs pop into my head, and I'm hearing the Beatles right now. And this, this is a prayer to me. Uh, I'm on my way home. I'm on my way home. I'm going home. That that's a prayer to me. I often sing that song, Wendy. I don't know if you know this about me, but when I'm on the road, yeah, and I'm going to the airport after a long seminar, <laughs> or like that song comes to me. <laughs> I'm on my way home, and I'm I'm coming home to you, Wendy. I'm coming home to our home here, yeah. and it's such a refuge for me. And that truly is a sign of the ultimate journey home to heaven. Mm. Amen to that. Anyways, prayers for everybody out there who's in the middle of a move. Yes. You're on my heart. Yes. 
And what updates do you have for us from the TUB Institute? That is a dang good question. <laughs> <I'm> gonna... <laughs> Silly. Uh, updates from the Institute. Yes, we have a need, and I'm going to put it out there to everybody. I mentioned this on last week's podcast. I'm going to mention it again here. We have a need to hire new staff people at the Institute. We are getting requests from around the world to bring this message. We don't have the bandwidth to do what we're called to do because we're a small staff. We have a team of, of 12 people, and we need to increase that staff to 15 people to 20 people in the next few years to accommodate the requests that we are getting, the demand. Thanks be to God, the demand is increasing for the work that we do here at the Institute. That is a very, very good sign. In order to bring people on our staff, we have to increase our budget. Uh, we all know it costs money to pay staff, and right now, we don't have the money to pay the staff that we need to bring on. So we are relying on the people who believe in what we do to, to help us. So would you please click the link in the show notes and consider becoming a patron? $20 a month, $50 a month, $100 a month, uh, that goes a long, long way to help us fulfill the, the mission that we have here at the Institute. And I know there are people out there thinking, well, I get to listen to this podcast for free. Isn't that special? And I get to watch all those YouTube videos that the Institute puts out for free. Isn't that special? It is special. And we are so, so happy to be able to provide that for you. But it does, it's just reality. We all know it. That costs a lot of money to to pay the staff that it takes to run this ministry. Mm -hmm. And thanks be to God, he has provided for us along the way. And he's going to provide for us here as well. But that doesn't happen in a vacuum. That happens when people who have that little nudge from the Holy Spirit actually follow through and and support us. So if you're feeling that little Holy Spirit nudge, would you please click that link and we will be so, so grateful. We're trusting it all to the Lord. Thanks for your generosity. Our first question is from just such a person, a patron named Anna. Thank you, Anna, for all the support you offer us. We're so grateful. And thank you for writing in with your question and entrusting this little corner of your heart to us. I hope we can answer your question in a way that blesses you. Here we go. I've heard you talk frequently about the choice to be a stoic, an addict, or a mystic. Ah, she's paying attention. And that people will always choose addict if only given the option of that or stoic. You've encouraged us that there is hope for the addict and given a lot of practical tools for this. What tips or advice would you have for those of us who chose to be a stoic for many years before mm -hmm. we knew about the banquet? Mm -hmm. What steps toward healing have you seen to be more, most fruitful? Mm. Anna, bless you. Bless you, Anna. Bless you. I, I can feel like the image I have right now is I see this like ping pong ball going back and forth in my own heart. Uh, what I usually say when I'm teaching on this point is that for me, uh, I was raised on that starvation diet approach uh, where the basic message was your desires are bad. They're only going to get you in trouble. Got to repress all that stuff and follow these rules. And I say, for me, um, my, my choice became the fast food. Like, 
I'm going for the fast food option, which is the culture's secular promise of immediate gratification. That's the way of the addict. The starvation approach is the way of the stoic. Um, so I'm, I'm just witnessing to my own journey when I say that's the way I went. But I can also understand and relate to why people go the way of the stoic, which is the the repressive approach, the f- just repress all your desires and follow the rules. I, I had that some of that in me as well, and I still do. I have some of that in me, especially when my desires have gotten me in trouble, as they have. Inevitably, if you go to the fast food, you're going to get yourself in trouble. And then you can begin to think, I know what the problem is. My desires themselves, they're the problem. I got to repress all that. I got to hold it in. I got to stuff it. I got to annihilate it. Uh, No, the goal is not the annihilation of desires. The goal is the sublimation of desires. What does sublimation mean? It means to lift up, to make sublime, to redirect towards what we really desire. No one is as free as the man or woman who desires what he or she truly desires. What do we truly desire? The psalmist comes to this stunning realization when he cries out from his depths, O Lord, it is you I seek. My body and my soul pine and yearn for you, the living God. I believe that's Psalm 63. So, Anna, I'm going to recommend that you spend time reading through, praying through, pondering Psalm 63. And I love this expression from Pope Benedict XVI. He says, that desire that we feel for the infinite, it is God's signature imprinted with fire in our humanity, right? Think of an artist who, who signs his masterpiece. Well, the human being is the masterpiece of God, and he signs his masterpiece with fire, with an imprint of fire, and that's what that aching longing is. Now, the way of the Stoic, Anna, which you have confessed is the way you have gone, uh, the, the Stoic is afraid of that desire. The Stoic is, is trying not to feel that desire. And I, believe me, I have compassion because I know what that is like. I felt it in my own life. That ping pong ball I was seeing in my own heart is an image of just flip-flopping between indulging in an addictive way in my desires and then being mad at myself for doing so because it hurts me and it hurts others and then repressing, repressing, repressing. But you can only repress for so long. Uh, Then the chicken nuggets start to look attractive again, and you go back to that fast food, and then you get sick from the fast food, and then you flip-flop over the back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. The way out of that ping-pong reality, I, I I would really say this, the Psalms have been a tremendous help, not just Psalm 63, start there, but immerse yourself in the Psalms. The Psalms are the living... A heart of prayer for the church. Some, there's some line to that effect in the catechism. It's not a direct quote, but, but the Psalms, saint after saint tells us that the Psalms take us to the very living heart of, of genuine prayer. 
And the Psalms are full of raging at God, uh, raging at the broken world. Uh, How long, O Lord, will you leave me here? But the Psalms, while they're full of that wrestling, they're also full of that, that, that realization that when I get down to brass tacks in my humanity, the yearning I feel is for the living God. And I must give myself permission to feel it. This is what I'm inviting you to pray into, Anna. Ask the Lord that you would have the grace to give yourself permission to feel what you really feel. Just the other day, like two days ago, in my own prayer, I was in a place of of dealing with a temptation that I was very attracted to this woman's body that I saw on YouTube and and the temptation is just oh my gosh that's that's all bad that's all wrong I know this has caused me pain I know this has caused you pain Wendy I just got to stuff it I just got to repress it I just got to hold that all in and pretend I don't feel that but I do feel it there's this tr- attraction uh to to the feminine form and that attraction can take me down the wrong path but it can also take me up the right path. And my spiritual director, as I've presented this, this struggle to him over the years, he, he often gives me a prayer, some kind of prayer assignment. And he had given me this prayer assignment to, to pray that I would see this woman's body, uh, who was on this YouTube video, that I would see her body in its glorified form. And he said, it's so difficult to think in a in a disintegrated way about the beauty of a body when we see the body in its glorified form. And the saints talk about this. Teresa of Avila says that she caught a glimpse of glorified bodies in her life of prayer. And she said, I tell you, I assure you, if you had for all eternity nothing else other than to contemplate the beauty of glorified bodies, it would be enough for you. Mm. Uh, We are made by God. We are made by God to ponder for eternity the glorified body. That's what heaven will be. It will be pondering the glorified body of Jesus. And through that, seeing and living our own glorified bodies and the glorified body of every other human being who who lives the resurrected reality. And uh, so, I was in prayer a couple days ago, just opening this up, and trying to give myself permission to feel what I really feel, this attraction to the female form, but to let Jesus into it, not just to, to kind of run off with it in a little corner by myself in a grasping, lustful way, but say, Jesus, you know me. You know what's in me. You know what I yearn for. You know what I desire. I desire in my heart of hearts, I don't want to just take some woman's beauty off into a corner where I can indulge in some lustful, selfish gratification. I don't really want that. That is a lie. That's not what I want. What I really want is to see your glory through the human body. That's what I want to see. And then this quote from JP2 came to me in my prayer. This is a direct quote. I've memorized it because I love this. He says, purity is the glory of the human body before God. In fact, he says, it is God's glory in the human body through which masculinity and femininity are manifested. And then just today in my prayer, 
the reading today in prayer was from the book of Revelation. And, and it sa- John says, the angel of the Lord came to me and said, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he was taken in spirit, the scripture says, to behold the splendor of the bride, the new Jerusalem, the bride of of God. And he said that the bride was radiant with all the glory of God. That's what I desire. That's what I really desire. And guess what? This is what God wants to grant me. And guess what the gospel today was? The gospel today was Jesus saying to Nathaniel, you will see greater things than this. You will see heaven opened. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. This is what <laughs> this is the theology of a woman's body. We were talking about this in the, the last episode, that the very meaning of woman, uh, nekeva in Hebrew, the female, is to be opened. And yes, woman's body in Mary, woman's body has become heaven on earth, the dwelling place of the most high God. This is the theology of a woman's body, heaven, 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 heaven on earth. What does Jesus promise Nathaniel? You will see greater things than this, Nathaniel. You will see heaven opened. And what does the book of Revelation say? The, 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 the temple in heaven was opened. And what does John see when the temple in heaven is opened? He sees the woman. He sees the woman clothed with the sun. That's what he sees because woman is the living image of heaven. Heaven, You will see heaven opened, Nathaniel. And what will you see when heaven is opened? You will see the angels of God descending and ascending on me, on the Son of Man. In other words, you will see the full glory of masculinity and femininity revealing the eternal glory of God. This is what we desire. Anna. This is what you desire. This deep in your, it's programmed by God in your humanity. It is the signature of God uh, imprinted with fire on your humanity. The path to enter the glory of heaven is not through that stoic, fearful repression of our desires, but in an honest opening of them to the Lord. So here's the invitation. It's not just for Anna, it's for every human being to go to the Lord and pour out your heart to him. Anna, pour out your heart to the Lord. What is your heart? I mean, I hear your heart in this question. You're you're saying, and say it to the Lord. Say, Lord, I've gone down this path of the stoic. I've gone down this path of repressing my desires. I've gone down this path of, of just trying to be good on the outside and not really pay attention to what's going on on the inside. But Jesus, I need the grace to get in touch with what's going on in the inside, the good, the bad, the beautiful, and the ugly. I need it all. I need to pour it out to you, Lord. And where there's badness or, or, or misdirected desires or twisted things or perverse things. Lord, I know you'll love me there and I'm going to trust that you're going to show me what I really desire. You're going to untwist those desires. You're going to redirect those desires. And I entrust to you, Lord, the fulfillment and satisfaction of my desires. Uh, I treasure your promises in my heart, O oh Lord. This really helped me today when I was reading the gospel. Like, this is God's promise to each and every one of us. You will see heaven opened, and you will see the glory of God. You'll see it through the body of Christ, through the body of Mary. We'll see, we'll see the glory of God. This is the desire of every human heart. It's his promise, 
And as the psalmist says, I treasure your promises in my heart, O Lord, lest I sin against you. And we sin against him either when we grasp at pleasures in a lustful kind of way or when we crush and try to erase from our hearts the very signature of God imprinted with fire. We sin against the Lord. How do we not sin against the Lord? By trusting in his promises and by pouring out our hearts to him as we experience them. I could say much more, but but at this point, I think I'm rambling. So I'll pause there. (laughs) How was that? That was a lot. That was a lot. I just kind of flowed out. Wow. I felt my heart pierced and it just went blip, 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 blip. <laughs> I'm going to thank the Lord for the grace as he's poured out on you just today in your prayer and the opportunity to share it with our listeners. And I know there are people who are blessed by that. I think like just the summary comment for Anna is that I hope so many of our listeners, especially those who are regular listeners, understand what we What you're experiencing from us is two people who are seeking to journey honestly closer to the Lord in our honest humanity, and that Anna, the advice to pour out your heart is means to be your real self before God. And a Stoic can really be afraid of the real self, or even kind of mm, quiet the real desires to the point that you can't even easily access them. Yeah, yeah. And so for me, I remember a time in my life where I said, Lord, awaken my yes, desires. Not, yes. just, uh, not just let me stop hiding them, but I don't even know where they are right now. Lord, awaken them. And Awaken my hunger for the banquet. Awaken and stir up my Mm. desires so that I will become again just a person seeking you, you know, like just to not stay in that place of such Mm. being so subdued. And I think that can be scary and confusing. And I think it's really good both to talk with a spiritual director and or to journal, because I think we need to be reminded by feedback from another person or from seeing what we've written in the past of what our journey is and see the progress that we're making. It's really awesome. And and I just hold this out, um, spiritual direction, absolutely, but good spiritual direction from a spiritual director who's on this very journey of pouring out his or her heart to the Lord and getting in touch with his or her desires, because... As John of the Cross says, bad spiritual direction is worse than no spiritual direction. Uh, you know, the, the disciple becomes like the teacher, and if your spiritual director is living a, a repressive spirituality, that's all he or she has to offer. Uh, find a spiritual director who's on this journey, and you can pretty much, pretty quickly tell by what you share with the spiritual director and his or her reaction if he or she's on that journey himself or herself. So, just a word to the wise. Hmm. Our next question is from Clara. Hi, sorry for my English, but here's my question. I'm 18, and three years ago I had a boyfriend, and we had sex. Our relationship became worse, and as a Christian girl, I knew that it was bad. All the days, I regret doing that. And now... I'm afraid that if I find someone Christian who has the same values as me and who I love, he might feel that he needs someone who hasn't had sex before. Should I say 
I'm not a virgin when I meet someone? Even if I have lost my virginity, can I become virgin again if I've confessed and repented? Thank you so much. Bless you, Clara. Bless you, Clara. Bless you, Clara. I would not suggest that upon meeting someone you say, Hi, I'm Clara. I'm not a virgin. I don't, I don't recommend that. Um, that is an intimate aspect of your life. That, by and large, belongs between you and the Lord. However, if you were to be in a serious dating relationship with someone and found that you were discerning marriage together, I would say at that point in your relationship, that should come out. If you, if you find yourself in a serious dating relationship, it should come out because it's a part of your life and the purpose is not to put it in the light to be scolded or shamed or or rejected by somebody else. Uh, the purpose is to say, I want to know if this person can really love me, the real me, warts and all. And I'm remembering our time of dating, Wendy, when I thought, because I had been sexually active in my teenage years and early 20s, um, I thought that that whole part of my life made me unlovable. And I remember saying to you, you'll remember this for sure, uh, we were very close to getting engaged and we were putting a lot of things on the table and, and you knew about this in my life at this point and you said, or excuse me, I said to you, here's how I understand it, Wendy, I would never expect you to love who I was back then because I was really messed up. But, um, you know, for the last several years, I've been really striving to follow the Lord and and I could imagine that you would love who I've become. And you looked at me with such a strange, puzzled look on your face. And you said, you can't split your life in two like that. Uh, I don't love just who you've been in the last five years. I love you. It was a day of such grace for me, Wendy. It was a miracle of grace. Your love for me brought these two parts of my life that I had split apart. And I said, that part of my life is unlovable. This part of my life is lovable. I don't even expect you to love the unlovable parts. What? I mean, I, as I look back on it, I was so ruptured. I was so confused about what the gospel really is. I was so confused about what love really is. I thought love was something you had to earn by a good report card. And because I had a, quote, bad report card, from earlier in my life, I thought, well, Wendy can't love that. I wouldn't even expect her to. Just by your, the puzzled look on your face, I started to realize there's another way to see. There's another way to think. And Clara, I think this is the cry of your heart because it's the cry of every human heart. Am I lovable in my sinfulness? I've screwed up. I've messed up. Does that make me unlovable? No, it does not make you unlovable. You are loved right there, Clara, by God himself and by any man who would be worthy to be your husband. He will learn with God's grace, uh, because we all need God's grace to love as God loves, right? It's impossible to love as God loves unless God's love is in us. I would even say this, don't marry a man if he's not willing to learn what it means to love you, warts and all. Wendy, your learning to love me, warts and all, has been 
the saving grace of my life. This is God working through you to reach my wounded, ruptured heart. And Clara, this is what I wish for you. You asked, could you become virginal through, uh, how did she put it? The grace of, how did she say it? Can I become virgin again if I've confessed and repented? Yes, 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 yes. As far as the East is from the West, when we confess and, and receive those, the grace of the sacrament, as far as the east is from the west, so is our sin from us. Now, the wounds are still there and need to be healed. And I can speak from our 28 years of married life, almost 28, um, that that's an ongoing journey. But the grace of the sacrament is there to enable us to reclaim what John Paul II calls our original virginal value. And authentic marital love is precisely what enables us to reclaim our original virginal value. Wendy, what are your thoughts here? Mm, Clara, I really appreciate your question. And I, I get this phrase that really spoke to me was she says, all the days I regret doing that. Mm. All the days just struck me. It's, um, it's a deep reality of your heart that you, you, you wish you could turn back the clock and change your decision and and yet you can't and so i think the need for you clara to experience the lord's love for you he does not abandon us he knows us and he weeps for our sins he weeps because he he understands our whole hearts better than we understand ourselves so i really i pray clara that you will experience the lord's deep mercy for you and the real power of his redemption in your life, the sweetness of his love for you and drawing you that would enable you to really trust that he sees your beauty and your dignity and has a great plan for your life. I think in some ways your question includes a fear that your life is sort of doomed in some way by this sin. And I I don't I don't know that that's the case, but it, it could be there. And I, I just I pray that you will be drawn to his heart and his love for you so deeply that you will begin to trust in his good plan for you and be able to pray for the man he's preparing for you. And I wish I could say that every man that's on the journey of faith, every, you know, sort of good Christian, if you could say that in quotes, would respond lovingly to your story. I don't know that that's true. I I know that there are stages to every person's journey and that there are probably some men that are not able yet to show mercy and compassion, even though that would be the Christ-like response. So I think that it is appropriate to be praying that the Lord is preparing the right man for you. And I absolutely agree with what Christopher said it would be foolish to keep that a secret if you were really pursuing marriage with someone because you would just be left in doubt yeah for constantly wondering does he really love me would he love me if he knew you need to know that yes, before you yes. marry someone um and you need to know that the lord's love is real and that's my prayer for you that you would encounter his healing love as you Continue on your journey as he shows you your heart, your story with new light, 
um, helping you to understand what was going on in that relationship and experience deeper levels of mercy from him. I'm going to ask right now that our producer, Juan, Juan, I know you're listening to this. Could you please, for Dear Clara, put in the notes the image that we use at our Made for More events and in our courses called the Heart of God? Uh, Claire, I really encourage you, spend some time in prayer with this. Go down to that image. It's the, Im- it's the image of, of Christ loving the woman caught in adultery. It's either the woman caught in adultery or it's the sinful woman who comes to the Pharisee's party and throws herself at the feet of Jesus. And just spend time gazing on Jesus, gazing on her, mm. and know that that is you. And the the artist who sculpted this, he called it the heart of God. That's what Wendy was talking about, that mm. you would know the true heart of God. I think this work of art will really help you in your prayerful reflection on how much Jesus loves you. Yes. Our next question is from Dom. Hello, Dom. Hey, Christopher. I recently got married. Congratulations, Dom. And we're having NFP struggles. My wife and I have discerned that we need to avoid pregnancy right now. We started being fertile a few days before the wedding day, so we couldn't have sex on the wedding night, which was a bummer because the wedding night is the night, and is so hyped up to be the night. Well said, Dom. Especially since we both are virgins and saved ourselves for each other in marriage. Bless you, bless you, bless you. Even though we couldn't have sex, the night was very beautiful, just being alone with each other, naked, and then... Woo! Oh, can we pause there for a moment? I want the world to hear this. I want the world to hear the beautiful witness of Dom and his newlywed wife that on their wedding night, they were naked together, and in their nakedness, they experienced, well, I haven't, we haven't heard the rest of the question, but I, it seems they're proclaiming they had a freedom to be naked without just being overwrought by hormones and behaving like animals. Uh, what, what I'm hearing here is the, the witness of the freedom for which Christ has set us free. Now, he's already said it's a struggle, and yes, it is a struggle. Uh, that freedom is a struggle. And maybe you have more light to shine on it, Wendy, but I just wanted to, I want the world to hear this. Pause right here. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Okay, let me keep reading. Okay, keep reading. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. So, the night was very beautiful, just being alone with each other, naked, and then washing each other in the shower. Oh, glory! I kept getting images of Adam and Eve. Wow! Before there was sin, they were naked and unashamed. Glory! And of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. It was super emotional, and very beautiful. Ah, there it is. There it is. We wouldn't have wanted it any other way. The real suffering is that we've been testing with clear blue monitor, and it either missed the peak or ovulation has been delayed majorly. Since we're so far into the cycle, there's no way of testing to see if we're fertile or not. The only way to truly know is to wait until she starts bleeding again. Her cycles are also very long, so the pain in waiting until the next cycle is very real. Oh, bless you. With that said, we probably won't be able to have sex until a month after we've been married. I know to fully love my wife, I have to have a sacrificial love, and that truly loving her would be not having sex with her because we've discerned that. But it is extremely difficult. The suffering and pain is so real. We ache for sexual union with each other. It's very hard to see the light in this situation. 
We've already gone through a ton of suffering with the death of her teenage brother a few months before the wedding. Oh, my. Intense family drama and a whole lot of chaos with the wedding. Why is God putting us through this thing? What should we be doing? We're also 22 and 20 years old, so our hormones always seem to be sky high. I thought maybe the age would help you in how you answer the question. (laughs) Bless you, brother. Thank you for any insight. Oh, Dom, bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Wow, that's heavy duty. (laughs) Brother, you asked why is God allowing this, and I can't answer that question. All I can do is be willing to enter into that why with you. And I want to proclaim that Jesus himself is willing and has entered into the pain of that why with you. That's the cry of Christ on the cross. Why? Why, oh God? Why? Why? I had a professor who used to say, when somebody tells you you should never ask God why, your response should be why? Because Jesus himself proclaimed his own why. Why? Brother, your why in your suffering, in your agony, is holy, is sacred. And I, I feel just a, a, a tender reverence for the sacredness of your why. As a newlywed young husband, longing, aching, pining to be one in the flesh with his bride, to have that consummate embrace delayed as long as it has been for you guys. That is a major why, oh Lord. So I, I, I just want to reverence it. I just want to be with you in it, brother. Why, Lord? Why? I don't know about, how, what was it, a blue, something blue monitor? Yeah, clear blue monitor. Clear blue monitor. I, I know there are new technologies that, that couples are using these days to help them understand when they're fertile or when they're not fertile. Wendy and I, um, we've never used those technologies. We learned natural family planning 28 years ago, and um, these technologies were not around. We just learned the signs of the cycle. And it sounds like you're having some problems with this technology. Are you reading that too, mm-hmm. Wendy? Yeah. That this technology maybe has not served you well. So that has been, and this is interesting, as I've read a little bit about some of these technologies, mm-hmm. I, I have wondered, gee, well, what if you get a bad reading or mm-hmm. what if they're not reliable? And I've always thought, I'm so glad we know the the actual signs of your fertility, Wendy. Mm. Um because we can observe that every every month. Um, we are past that time in our lives now, but that was part of our married life for, mm-hmm. for many, 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 many years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm kind of confirmed in some of my concerns that I've had based on Dom's question here about some of the problematic nature of merely relying on a, on a, a technology in this way for the reading of, of whether one's fertile or not. So, Dom, I, I think what I would suggest to you is take a class in the symptothermal method of natural family planning, where you will, you will have more resources at your disposal to understand 
and read the signs as to whether you're fertile or not. Uh, fertile collectively, because it's always not just your wife's fertility, it's a collective fertility, right? So uh, it, it will just behoove you to, to know all the different signs. And it doesn't mean you can't rely on this, what's it called? Clear blue monitor. Clear blue monitor. And is that like a, you pee on it and... What is it? Yeah, it's a it's a urine test for hormone levels. Okay, so so absolutely keep using that. There's nothing wrong at all with using it. But I wouldn't I wouldn't leave yourself in a position where you are relying on that solely or entirely. Mm -hmm. Throw it into the mix, but also learn the other actual physical signs that you and your wife can determine together, so that you have all the information to help you make uh, an appropriate. Uh, evaluation as to where you are in your cycle. I think that's probably just relying on the monitor has not served you well here. And I, I, I man, I even hesitate to say it because I don't want to like say, well, you should have done this and you wouldn't have had all these problems if you had done it. I don't hear any of that kind of scolding tone at all. I'm saying this for your future and I'm saying it for all the other listeners out there. Uh, it would behoove you to know all of the signs of fertility, and that's why the symptothermal method is what I'd recommend, because you have temperature, you have cervical mucus, you have um, the very position of the cervix in the woman's body. Am I, am I missing anything, Wendy? No. As to all the signs that you, you learn? Mm -hmm. Did I already say temperature? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you could add to that in the mix, you could have the pee on the monitor uh, pee on the monitor. That wasn't the best way to say it, but y y everybody knows what I mean. Pee, pee, what do you pee on? We've never used one of these things. Is it a stick? Yeah. What you, not like a stick from a tree, but a, <laughs> a test strip. A test strip. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. I couldn't find it. Um, okay. That's what I'm saying, brother. Uh, take a, take a course, symptothermal method. Mm. Wendy, what are you, what are your thoughts here? Yeah. I, I think Dom and his wife are, it's it's touching to my heart that he shared that they are so 22 touching. and 20 yeah, and that they've had a very difficult time recently in their lives uh, that all things that are very, they force you to grow up in different ways, yeah. you know, and um, certainly suffering of grief. And um, also he used the word chaos with the wedding. Like, yeah, in the midst of all that, it's, it's hard to kind of see your way out. You probably maybe have a hope like once we're married, we won't be in the same stress. And you're not in the same stress, but you have a different stress going on right now. And, I, we, and no one would fail to just feel compassion for you in that. But I also think for without a doubt, if you keep praying, the Lord can bring good out of this. The Lord can bring good out of this. Can I say it again? <laughs> the Lord can bring good out of this, and we have to open our aching hearts to him and be honest with him, but also be praying that we not let the evil one come in and start saying things to us like, you're suffering for nothing, or, you know, let anyone mock us for trying to be faithful to what our sacrament is or hear those mocking voices. No, mm. you are noble and heroic and noble and heroic is what we want to be. We want to be that because we know that's where we're 
drawing on the grace that we need to live this life of sacrament, of mission to serve and love one another. So I know the Lord is bringing good out of this, even in the the pain and suffering of it. And I, I do agree with you, Christopher, that they are learning by a painful experience that there are limitations to, um, and specifically this monitor. And I'll just want to explain real quickly for our listeners who don't have any idea what this is about. I actually did buy one of these. You were saying we don't have any experience, but I did at a certain time um, when I, my cycles were confusing me a little bit. I thought maybe this added information oh, would now that you say it, it would help I, me. Yeah, I do. I was having a, a yeah. memory lapse there. Yes, <laughs> it's okay. And what I found common experience <clears throat> for me these days. <laughs> what I found, and I just want to try to explain this a little bit more to uh, the listeners, is that. This is a um, a technology that is not designed for natural family planning. It's de- designed to help people with infertility, specifically trying to achieve pregnancy. So it has some limitations when you use it for natural family planning um, in that it only will test for the relevant hormones on certain days that it's programmed to test for them. Hmm. And once you've passed those days of a cycle... It won't perform the test, even if you're saying, "Oh, just test for just test for estrogen." Please tell us. It, you cannot tell it to do that. Mm. It's not. It doesn't respond to your request. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to say, "No, you're on day such and such of your cycle, and I don't test for that on this day." Sorry, it doesn't say sorry. It just doesn't do it. <laughs> so that's what he's saying when Got he it. says, "At this point in the cycle, we can't test Got for it. fertility it. with it. this monitor." That's because of how it was designed. And yes, it is useful to couples. Yes, it does give helpful information, but you're right. There are other ways to find that helpful information. And I know that Dom and his wife will learn them with time, but at this point in the cycle, it is um, it is kind of a waiting time. Um, but not that that's a bad time to be starting to learn about the other symptoms and things that you can be checked for. It is a good time to learn. I feel a real fatherly desire to like wrap my arms around Dom and his wife <laughs> and shield them from all. You were saying this, Wendy, about these voices that could come in there. Like, yeah. I hear voices like, oh, come on, they're right. newlyweds. Right. Just use a condom for crying out loud and oh, get no. it done with all this no. stupid, ridiculous Catholic teaching. Whoa, 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 whoa. Dom, let me tell you this, man to man. You are a hero here for being willing to love your wife in this way, for being willing to embrace this glorious teaching of the Catholic Church. And that's exactly what it is. It's a call to glory. And the path to glory is through the cross. Every sin, every temptation is an invitation to believe that you can have the happiness you want without going through the cross to get it. That's what sin is by definition. And when, when Peter, it seems sensible, doesn't it? You're the son of God, Jesus. No, no way. You're not going to die on a cross. That, uh-uh, that's not going to happen to you. What does Jesus say to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. You're going to have a lot of Peters in your life, Dom, who are telling you, you don't have to bear this cross. You don't have to go down that path. There's an easier way to do it. And your response should be the response of Jesus. Get behind me, Satan. 
man-to-man, Dom, I want to tell you, you are following Jesus. You are following Jesus. This is the path. This is the way. You're on it. And you've already tasted some of the fruits. You've already experienced the way you described your wedding night, the way you described bathing each other, being naked together, loving and honoring the, the mystery of fertility at great cost to you. You are living out Ephesians 5 here. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. I commend you. Hats off to you, brother. I, I want to like uh, kiss your feet. I know that sounds weird, but I'm just looking for some expression to say to you how much I honor and revere your courage and your willingness to embrace the truth of what it means to be a husband after the heart of Jesus Christ. Brother, keep going. You will be richly rewarded. And man, I just hear the bells ringing in heaven over your embrace of the truth and what rejoicing there will be in heaven and on earth when you and your bride are able finally to come together and experience the grace of becoming one flesh. Woohoo! Glory be to God in the highest. Yes. Uh, redemption is is reverberating out into the whole world uh, for your fidelity to the truth, brother. Yeah, that's how I feel about that. Mm. Good on you, Dom. And good on everybody out there who is struggling to be faithful to the truth. It is the truth that will set us free. Let us cling to the promises of the Lord, lest we sin against him. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in this week. We look forward to being with you again next week. Uh, We love you. We thank you for the honor and privilege of serving you in this way. Keep the questions coming. Uh, We're so grateful, and we're praying always for the people that write to us and we're not able to answer your questions. Uh, Please know you're in our hearts. Please know, everybody who's listening, please know you are a gift. You are made in the image of God as a man, as a woman. Your very body reveals the whole reality of the divine gift. We struggle to live that gift, but through the grace of redemption, we can become what we are. Christopher West is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Institute with music by Mike Mangione. Christopher and Wendy hope that the information provided is helpful to you, but remind you that they are not licensed counselors. If you're going through serious difficulty, a list of trusted counselors and psychologists can be found in the show notes.